When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome back to the Clear Out Podcast with your host, Matt Brooks. We are brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And first off, I hope everybody's doing well, um, enjoyed the holidays, uh, and, and just had good times with their family, friends, and everything of the sort. Um, holidays have been good for me. Uh, busy. I, I think I've mentioned that on Twitter. I think I've mentioned that on this podcast during the last episode, which was the mailbag episode. If you haven't checked that out, go ahead. Um, but yeah, it's it's been good. It's been busy for me. I, I don't know how much content I'm going to be making or even next games I'm going to be catching until probably like mid-January, but I do want to try to keep up this podcast, get episodes out, uh, do fun things like this, like what I'm going to do today, and I'll explain that in just a second, but um, yeah, I just, um, I, yeah, just expect things to be a little quiet for the next couple of weeks from me, um, but yeah, let's let's get into what I'm doing today. We are, what, two days away from... New Year's Eve, the festivities, uh, three days, I guess, away from from New Year's. I'm recording this on uh, December 29th, Wednesday in the morning. Um, and I think to celebrate that, I wanted to do five Nets things that you should be excited about heading into the new year. Uh, just in general, I feel like there is so much reason for optimism right now, more than any point of this season, if you're a Nets fan. The team's humming. They're coming off this great win against the Clippers, a game I did not catch live, but something I, I tried to go through the highlights and piece together what happened. And uh, you know, I, I think, and 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 I think like the, the team's just gelling. Um, players are breaking out at the right time. Kyrie Irving is due to return, um, and I think the best place to start to really get into this is that James Harden has looked really, really good since coming back from the COVID-19 absences. And uh, I'm just, I mean, not to be like overly, just to like dumb this down like crazy, but we spent so much time talking about the spacing and, and oh, and you know, you can't play two non-shooters with Harden. Ultimately, what really, really matters is that if Harden's looking right physically and he's being aggressive, you can navigate those things. You can play him with whoever because he's that freaking good at basketball that he's going to figure it out. Like, it's it's kind of like the, the ball don't stop meme <laughs> where he says, Hoopers just figure it out. Hoopers figure spacing out. And it's kind of been, I felt like the last two games have kind of been that for Harden. Uh, he's been getting downhill at will. The floater's been falling. That's been big for him. Uh, and another guy just having lob threats has been great. But even just the decision-making, the way he carved up the Clippers' defense um, just beating traps at the right time, waiting for the traps to come, and then making the read uh, to, to you know Bruce Brown with the floater, or even Claxton, who's again I'm, I'm going to save my thoughts on Clax, but just in general, Harden looking like this, it just changed. I, I tweeted it. It changes the trajectory of the Nets. 
And it's not just because they have another all-star player. It's because the guy who's setting up everything for them, you know, initiating everything, he's like their main downhill guy. You know, we'll see some of that load will be off his shoulders when Kyrie comes back. But even so, that's your main guy. That's the guy that's orchestrating everything. If he's not right, your offense isn't going to be right. Things aren't going to look in tune. So to have him playing like this is just, I, I cannot say enough how big it is. I think he's the most important net on the team. And and, and like, I, that's not a KD shot or anything like that. Uh, but I just like having Harden set up things and run the offense as such is just huge for them. Um, because again, I've said it with KD a co- bunch of times, like, I, I just get a little tentative about, you know, running everything through him, and I worry about running him into the ground. Uh, with Harden, it's like this is this is what he does. Um, you know, it's you know he's your, I mean, he's just your engine in a lot of ways. So to to have this kind of playing like this, and I think the other thing I'd love to know, because um, it, it for, well, there's a couple things with Harden. A, I want to see if this is sustainable. Uh, is this going to be? Are we going to have another run where Harden is diminished, I guess? And is that going to be something that we're dealing with with Harden for the rest of his career? Or was this just a bad stretch? So that's, I think, the first one. Because, again, it's a two-game sample. Uh, I hate to be that guy, but, like, we just probably have to see it for, you know, more than two games. But it looks really good right now. The other thing that I'd love to know is, like, what happened while he was in quarantine? Was it just... Because, you know, how much are you really going to do? I mean, I guess you can get your body right physically in 10 days. And it seemed like he said that he was focusing on getting his body back to where it needs to be. I just would love to know if there was a mentality change for him or if just being away from everything allowed him to reset a little bit. Um, you know, and I again, I think that, that stuff will come, um, you know, from him sustaining this stretch. I think that story will be written at some point. But um, yeah, I just, I want to hear like a behind the scenes type of thing of what exactly happened. Cause he just looks completely different right now. And um, I, I don't know. I love those stories. I like those behind the curtain type of things, you know, where we go into what, cause if it's like a mental thing, I'd love for him to open up and, and explain not like why he wasn't playing well, but like what he did to kind of get out of this and what happened over that 10 day stretch where he was in isolation. I just... I, I, that's the, the story that I'm waiting on. I'm hoping we get it this year. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my first one. I think Harden just in general playing like this, looking like the initiator that we know is huge. And that's something to be excited about if you're a Nets fan. I I teased it just a second ago, but, um, yeah, Nicholas Claxton. I mean, it's, it's really dated back to what game was that? That was the, was that the Toronto game? I mean, he's just been good for like, a solid stretch of games now, like five games, four games, I think. Yeah, I mean, it might have been the Philadelphia game. So like four games where he's just looked really strong offensively. He's finishing through contact. I get, I'm just in shock that he's starting to make reads out of the short roll. I mean, I'm not saying he was like never going to figure that out, but boy, it was such a weak spot for him. It was like he wouldn't even look up and survey the floor. And now he's surveying. He's actually taking the ball out of the short roll and taking a dribble and like finishing in the air while playing through contact, kind of soaring to the rim almost. It's just been, it's been delightful. I mean, we know what he does defensively and he was so good defensively that he was able to stay on the floor, even in spite of being a pretty 
bad offensive player. Now it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, you give him the ball when Harden's trapped, he's going to make a play, uh, whether it's for himself or for somebody else. And that's just huge for the Nets. If you can keep him on and he's contributing on both sides of the ball, that's amazing. I'd love for the rebounding to get a little better. Um, the screening is still kind of, he's just a young big, like all he wants to do is slip to the rim. That's what young guys like to do. Uh, just, you know, set a, set a brush screen and fly to the rim. Um, that's what, that's what Claxton wants to do. So, you know, that's, a, that's another area for him to improve as a pick and roll player, but he's a great, great athlete, really solid catch radius. I've just always been impressed by his hands and with that in mind, like I, he's just been perfect. I think it's a big reason we've seen this resurgence from Harden is that Claxton has been such a insane vertical threat that it's put pressure on opposing bigs. And if you have the big like backtracking, well, then all of a sudden that's when Harden gets to his floater. So I think all these things are tied in for sure. Um, Yeah, but just, I mean, with Claxton, I, I got to say like that play against the Clippers where I think the Nets were running Chicago action. I believe that's what it was. And I think it was for Patty Mills. I could be wrong. I might be getting this wrong. Uh, But regardless, they were running a handoff play. And Zubac overplayed it. He cheated off Claxton quite a bit. Claxton was facing up basically at the, you know, kind of close to the the three-point line. And And Claxton saw Zubac overplay him. And he went straight into this line drive to the rim. I, I think he just, it wasn't even a jab step or anything. It was just like, I'm going to take this guy off the dribble because he's disrespecting my ability to self-create. And it, it, I just was like, whoa. <laughs> like, we just haven't had that many of those flashes with him. I know he's got that in there somewhere. I mean, I think, you know, the college tape will show that. He's able to do that in the G League, but just, Little plays like that just make such a difference in terms of keeping him on the floor. And overall, I mean, there's just they're they're in a really interesting situation with him. Um his full max, I believe, is four years fifty-two. I don't know if he'll command that. Maybe he will. Uh, but he's he's the first player I think we've really, really run into all respects due to Spencer Dinwiddie, but Spencer Dinwiddie did not want to stay a net, <laughs> uh, regardless of what people tell you he did not want to stay a net uh but Claxton's the first guy where I really think like on a rookie scale contract this is their first really big decision where I I I kind of feel like they almost have to pay him he's been that good he's been that crucial for for Harden and just him being the defender that he is and I'm gonna get into what he is and what he means to this team in terms of where they're trying to go this year um but just being as good as he is at this age and ideally only going to put on more strength uh, and just improve in that way physically, it's just massive. I, I can't I can't overstate it enough. Um, they're in a really tricky spot. I'm really curious to see what they do. This is, again, it really feels like the, tr- the true blue first big decision, maybe since Joe Harris, uh, that, that I'm like, I don't know what they do here, but it kind of feels like they have to pay this guy. So... That's my second one. Nicholas Nicholas Harden, Nicholas Claxton is a big, big, big reason to be excited. Um, you know, and I, I just for me personally, I've been so high on this guy. I did a lot of videos last year about him, 
wrote a couple articles about him, just been incredibly high on him. I've called him one of the two best switch bigs in the league alongside Bam Adebayo. Um, if he keeps it up, I mean, I th- I think he's their best prospect they've maybe ever had. I, I think. I mean, in the, in the Sean Marks era, I think he might be. I'm higher on him than Jared Allen. Him and Cam, I'm probably higher on him than Cam. Um, I I actually, tr- I mean, look, if I'm going to go hot takey this morning, which it seems like that's where I'm going, I think he has all-star potential. I really do. Um, he's that good as a switch big. And if the other things can come together, I mean, is you're just, he's, he's that good. He really is. So um, the baseline of what he provides defensively, I think is, a good building block and the stuff that he's adding. I really, truly believe this guy's the limit for this guy. Um, let's move on. Uh, third thing I'm I'm excited about is a having Kyrie back. I'm I'm really just interesting. I'm I'm interested in what it looks like. Just having a part time player. That's something to be excited about. A having Kyrie back, obviously. Yes, it's going to be fun. He's really good at basketball. He adds a lot in terms of the dynamics to this team with excitement, with pace, all things that I've mentioned uh, in my mailbag, which again, if you haven't listened to that, go right ahead. Uh, all the stuff that we we know he's going to provide and, and the spacing, that's all exciting. I'm personally really excited to just see what this thing looks like. What's it like to be a better team on the road? What's it like to come home and you have a completely different squad this team and I will say this like this team can respond to any amount of adversity so I think people that are you know hand-wringing over the idea of well is this going to affect them mentally are you know are they going to be able to navigate this is this going to interrupt their chemistry I I mean dude this team like (laughs) they went on Christmas with Harden playing with like one other plus shooter in Patty Mills, <laughs> and they won. They like convincingly won that game. I I know there was slippage at the at the end, but you know, like these guys just figure it out. They really do. Kevin Durant won with like all of the rookies exclusively out there. You know, like they won a regular season game doing that. Um, so I think for me, I'm like, I this team's just been able to navigate anything. And by the way, if your team is Kevin Durant and James Harden, if he's playing like this, you're gonna be just fine. Um, so yeah, I, I just, but I'm just curious what it looks like. What's it going to be like from a viewing experience where you have, (laughs) I mean, you have games, I guess, circled if you're a fan or even just as a media member as, oh, cool. They're on the road. We get to see the full squad here. It's just, it's, I'm just curious about how it's going to work. I'm curious to see where it evolves. Um, and, uh, it's going to be fascinating. Like for as weird as this whole thing is, this is a once in a lifetime situation. And in a way, that kind of fascinates me. So I, I think that's number three for me is just what <laughs> this part-time thing. <laughs> How's it going to work? What's it going to be like? <laughs> and uh, is it going to be goofy? Is it just going to be, is it going to feel ridiculous? Or is it going to be a functional strategy? And I wonder if there's benefits to it also. Um, you know, <laughs> if you play a team, I mean, I guess we'll we'll look ahead to the playoffs, but does that throw the other team off where you have to be developing game plans night to night and you're not really seeing, I mean, you're seeing adjustments, I guess, to the micro things, but to a, on the macro sense, 
your adjustments that you're taking game to game fluctuate completely from, you know, when you, I guess, last played these guys on the road. Like, let's say, let me explain that a little bit better. (laughs) Let's say you have a seven game series and you play the Nets on the road, um, or I guess you're the road team because the Nets are probably going to have home court advantage. So you play them in games three and four and you're like, all right, cool. This is what they look like. We have our adjustments. And then you have a break. You have another game where they go back to this other squad and then it's game six. And it's like, wait, do these adjustments still apply from games three and four? Because the Nets changed some things. It just seems like it's incredibly discombobulating as an opponent to have to game plan for two different teams, essentially, in the same series. Whereas the Nets are just game planning for you. I mean, they're game planning for one team throughout the entire thing. Uh, obviously, there's the talent deficit from, you know, games one and two to three and four in any series. But I'm just wondering how, like, as an opponent, how you feel about your adjustments translating um, as the opponent is adding different things to their bag, to what they do. Very weird. I mean, just a myriad of things that are unusual about this situation, but that's one of them. I, I, you know, the playoffs are all about adjustments. You can recognize them from game to game. Having Kyrie Irving available um, in certain games is just about the biggest adjustment you can have. So very, very curious about how that's going to work. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's, let's, I want to talk about the rotation. That's number four for me, figuring out the, what the rotation looks like. I, I mean, part of it, A, is like with Harden looking like this, with Kyrie back for certain games, I'm wondering if they can get away with playing more non-shooters. Um, what does that look like? Is can you get away with a lineup of Bruce Brown and DeAndre Bembry together? Probably not, but I'm just curious if that affords you more opportunities to do that. Um, as we kind of look farther down the rotation, what is adding Kyrie Irving back mean for certain guys like, well, Cam Thomas is the obvious one, but even like somebody like James Johnson, you know, who's thrived in a lot of ways because of the lack of on-ball creation, his ability to set up the offense. Is he still going to play as much? You know, positionally, yeah, they do need him. He's a bigger wing. They don't have a ton of those. Uh, but are, are, how does he work? Does he feel, is he as effective uh, as a player where he's maybe not handling the ball as much? Or or are they still having him handle and they're just going to use Kyrie and KD off ball more? Um, figuring out the rotation, I think, is incredibly fascinating. Even just looking at, like, your starting rotation, does Nicholas Claxton have a case as a starter now? I would argue yes, right? I, I think he should start. I like the idea of bringing LaMarcus off the bench, um, just giving you that 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 offense, that bench offense, that, um, you know, that innings eater, I guess, offensive punch. That I think is really intriguing. And then the other thing is like, does, does Joe Harris come back and start? Probably, right? And I, because again, I I like the idea of Lamarcus off the bench, but along with Patty, you maintain that Spurs know how 
Those guys have had great chemistry all year. Gives you your your best, I guess, microwave scores, if we can call them that. Um, pairing them together, I think, makes for a really, really formidable reserve unit. But Patty's been playing really well as a starter. Like, really, really well. Like, better than... I, I don't know. Like, better than we've... At least production-wise, in terms of pure numbers, better than we've seen... I, I mean... I don't want to go this far. It's it's certainly in line with what we've seen from Joe in stretches where he's been the starting uh, small forward, I guess. The, I guess the only thing I would say against the idea of playing Patty in the starting lineup is you're playing on the road at least. You've got Harden, Kyrie, and Patty together. And like I like Patty defensively, but I don't know. I, I don't feel awesome about that, I guess. So maybe it is better to put him on the bench. But, I mean, if Kyrie, if you're at home, I think there's a pretty strong case to be made that, hey, maybe Patty should start. And I guess you could actually start Patty next to Joe Harris in the starting lineup. But, yeah, just figuring out the full rotation, getting everybody back is going to be really exciting. We're probably about, I mean, by the time I really start getting rolling again with content, <laughs> that's probably when we're going to get Joe back. We're going to get Kyrie back. And uh, that's exciting. So, the full rotation, figuring out how that's going to work. The center rotation, how's that going to look? Once we do get LaMarcus back, what does it mean for Blake Griffin? What does it mean for Paul Millsap? The same questions that I think we've been asking about the center rotation do apply, but now you're going to scale that up all the way up and down the roster just with how many guys are returning or, or making debuts. In Kyrie's case, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now they're in a the Nets are in a whole new form of experimentation, I think, at least in the early part of the season, we have a pretty good idea of who plays well together, what lineups the Nets feel good about. Now you have even more of a big ask. Um, ideally, this team gets on the same page and, and is able to finally play together. And that's something to be excited about if you're a Nets fan, figuring out what this is going to look like. I'm going to conclude right here. I'm, again, this is a shorter podcast, so you know, uh, I'm, just, I'm trying to fit this stuff in when I can. Um, but... The thing I think I'm the most excited about, to be truthful, is the stretch of games from February, actually, excuse me, January 29th to February 4th. January 29th at Golden State. That's an 8.30 game. February 1st at Phoenix. That's a 10 p.m. game. February 2nd at Sacramento. That's a 10 p.m. game. Uh, and then we conclude with February 4th at Utah, 9 p.m. Utah's been absolutely humming. Um, just looked like a complete offensive juggernaut. I'm really excited for the Nets to play these teams, not because, like, you know, they're the best teams in the league. I mean, that is why. But um, especially in Golden State and Phoenix's case, they just thoroughly outplayed the Nets the first time. And... For one, the Nets should have Kyrie in those in all four of these games, um, which is exciting. But B, they have certain guys in the lineup now. Ideally, Joe's back. I don't think Joe played for either Golden State and Phoenix, so that's big. You you optimize your spacing that way. Harden's looking the way he does. I think having Claxton in the rotation is going to be absolutely huge, especially against Golden State and Phoenix, but probably also against Utah to counteract Donovan Mitchell's pull-up shooting um, because I think, you know, it, it, well, let's let's go through the matchups one by one. Golden State, we saw what happened. The, the, the Warriors ran a ton of screening action to get Blake Griffin 
guarding Steph Curry. Steph Curry splashed threes in his eye. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge didn't play in the first half, came into the second half, instantly got torched by Steph. Now you have Nicholas Claxton flying around, switching off ball screens, switching on ball screens. That, I think, opens you up to a whole bunch of options. All of a sudden, your weak, your weak link isn't your big man. It's going to be, I guess, Harden. Maybe that's who they'll target. Uh, but I, that's just that's going to be incredibly fun. That's a huge, huge factor in that game. The best way to slow down a motion offense like that is with switching for the most part provided you don't get killed by slips or anything like that, which the Nets were in that game. So they, they obviously need to clean that up. But um, yeah, just the just to have Klax in that game, I think is going to be huge. He's just a huge part. He is their switching defense. Like Let's, let's, let's be blunt about this. Um, he's He is that entire scheme. He, he just affords so much propensity I think with with running that type of a scheme for the Nets, so that's a game where he's going to be huge. Phoenix, another one. I mean, we saw what having James Johnson out there did for the Nets in the fourth quarter. They started running him a little bit more in a switching scheme to counteract Chris Paul and Devin Booker, just torching the Nets. To, like absolutely, God bless Lamarcus Aldridge, absolutely torching Lamarcus Aldridge in drop. And and James Johnson made a difference. Can you imagine when they put Clax out there and maybe they run like a two big rotation of Claxton and James Johnson? They scheme specifically for that opponent. That be I think that'd be terrific. Um, I really do. So that's another one. It's like oh, if we're gonna just switch and we're gonna say hey, Chris Paul and and uh, and Devin Booker, we want you to go ISO. We kind of saw what that looks like in last year's finals uh, against Milwaukee. Where, yeah, Devin Booker was exceptional in the final couple of games. But the Suns got away from what made them really great, which was the involvement of their entire team in their sets. All the Spain pick and roll that they ran. It devolved into a lot of Devin Booker hero ball. And that's the big appeal of running a switching defense. Is that you are kind of fooling the opponent into getting away, especially if you're playing one of these teams like Golden State and Phoenix, which runs such detailed sets, you are fooling them into playing a way that they don't usually do. And 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 that's nothing against Steph or Chris Paul or Devin Booker, because all those guys can create on their own, no problem. But you are forcing the opponent into an identity that they don't normally have. So I'm excited to watch that game in particular. I'm just. I felt like the Nets figured out some things in that fourth quarter. Maybe some of the, the whatever, some of the stuff was fluky. It was a fake comeback in a way, but I think that part of it was a was definitely sustainable, and I expect that to translate. So that'll be really fun. And also games against Phoenix. I mean, we saw it last year are always enjoyable. And then the game against Utah is going to be great. Uh, I, I mentioned, you know, I or I teased it, I guess, a little bit, but having switch bigs out there, Clacks, James Johnson. Um, that can counteract Devin Book, or excuse me, uh, Donovan Mitchell's pull-up shooting game. Ideally, contain him off the dribble. In Claxton's case, James Johnson, that might be a little bit of a tough ask. But if you can do that, and and on the other end, you're like, we're cool with us switching. I don't know. Let's say James Harden on Rudy Gobert when Rudy Gobert rolls. Like we're okay with that, um, provided he doesn't get any room for an alley oop. Because what we're not really scared of him posting Harden up 
especially especially Harden, I think is, is a good example in this just because he is such a good post defender. Um, I'm excited for that one. We haven't seen Utah play the Nets this year. They're just an insane offense. So that'll be great. Any Anytime we get a shootout between the Nets and some other team, I always love those matchups. I live for those. So that stretch is going to be great. That's going to be a really, really fun just period of Nets basketball. Probably one of the most fun of the year. This first half of the season has been fine, I think. I, there's been... I mean, to be truthful, there just hasn't been that many memorable games so far. Uh, that Clippers game is weirdly probably one of the more memorable games. So, which I know feels like recency bias, but really that just seems to be the one that had people in the highest of spirits and for good reason. Um, you know, you're, the star player on the Nets finally looked like himself. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think just getting into that stretch is going to be really, really fun feels like we've been building up this whole year. The Nets are peaking at the right time. They're adding pieces back that are going to make a huge difference in those matchups. All the guys I mentioned, the guys that are that we were waiting for this year, Clax especially, are starting to break out and show real growth. It's a fun time. It's a very fun time to be a Nets fan. People always get on me for not being a fan of the team and <laughs> whatever, not, not putting on my pom-poms. This is me saying, hey, y'all, you should be excited about this team. You should really, really be excited. This is a fun time to be a Nets fan. It's been a very strange year leading up to this, but it, it does feel like we're reaching the precipice of of what could be a really, really, really exciting and fun run. And uh, those might be famous last words because the Nets are, <laughs> they're the Nets. Good things can just never come Brooklyn or New Jersey's way, but for now, it's looking really optimistic, and I, I'm I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the COVID absence or the injury that's gonna eventually doom all those that little four game stretch that I mentioned because that just seems to be what happens. But for now, I'm really optimistic about all the players that I mentioned and just the, the that that stretch of games, the rotation figuring stuff out. I'm excited for all this. So those are the five things that I'm excited about that I think you should be excited about. Heading into the new year, um, want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for working with me here. As this has been a, you know, again, it's been a, a, a busy time for me. Uh, hopefully, we'll get into longer episodes. Um, you know, episodes with more detail once we get out a little bit into the new year. But wanted to wish everybody a happy new year. Probably won't talk to you guys until we're in 2022. So enjoy the festivities. Stay safe. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the clear out podcast, go ahead and do that. Leave a five-star rating. If you enjoyed, honestly, if you didn't enjoy it, leave a five-star rating also, <laughs> just that would be cool. Um, but yeah, um, if you haven't followed me on Twitter, if you're listening to this on Reddit or, or wherever, um, go ahead and follow me. Um, I'm, I'll be posting clips, videos, articles, whole bunch, and yeah, Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for checking in on the Clear Out Podcast. And I will talk to you guys in the year 2022. Wow, that feels weird. That feels so weird to say. Peace.